0: This is the Black and Gold Batteret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Batterette Podcast. I am Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez. We have a busy show for you today, even though we are well past the spring equinox. Now we still have lots to talk about as we sort of
1: Eric, we're start, starting to transition sort of into off-season mode a little bit. Yeah, not so much cuz are you ready for some spring ball? Yeah. Well, once we
0: get the Hey, listen, we got spring football. We got the spring game on Saturday. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Terry Mahajer talked to the Orlando Sentinel, cool. asked a lot of they asked him a lot of really important questions. We got some pretty interesting answers, so we'll break that down. Also, what else is going on with the basketball program? Darren Green saying goodbye. Heading into the transfer portal, of course, Bryson Turner will be by later to talk some baseball and softball, uh, who are getting off to very good starts in uh, in conference. I know the softball team, Eric Lopez, you must be very happy with how that's going right now. That's where now. we're
1: all in, but hey, we don't even have George Brett commenting on our program on baseball.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you can cross <laughs> that one off the bucket list, But uh, or, or stating that he was going to he could beat Greg Lovelady out of a dugout. But Just anyway. A
1: typical let's... Sunday baseball, evidently. We'll so we've got
0: that. that. Plenty more to talk about. Follow us at UCF Banneret underscore SBN on Twitter. Also Facebook.com slash black and gold banneret. Um by the way, thanks to you, Eric, for uh and and Bryson for uh captaining the ship while I was away, getting four holes drilled into my skull from my wisdom teeth operation last week. I still got I still got... Okay, you people have had your wisdom teeth taken out. Nobody told me about how the fact that, like, apparently standard operating procedure is if a tooth breaks, you know, when they're trying to extract it, they just leave the broken piece in there, and then eventually it just falls out, apparently. I got that going on, like, right now, but it hadn't fallen out yet, and it's freaking killing me, man. Like, I
1: apologize for those that are listening to the show while eating.
0: Man. I... <laughs> Well, first of all, most people listen to this when they're driving anyway, but like, oh my God. Oh God. Like, I, I should buy some Tyler. Are Moore you right saying
1: now. the PA work is getting, it's taking its toll here? Is this, uh, no, I mean, no, do, listen. Do we need to go to the bullpen here? Am I sensing early retirement? retirement.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, listen. I play hurt. All right. I would, the only reason I missed the space game last week was because I was actually physically in the hospital. All right. But I'm, I'm playing through pain here, all right? The training staff, they got me taken care of. Uh staff boy, like Andrew, Kyle
1: Nash better be ready in the bullpen on Saturday. Andrew is going like to
0: is, is gonna join us to preview the spring game along with Kyle Nash. They both join us now here on the Black Gold Banneret Podcast. Good evening, gentlemen. We actually got you both here. At the same time, please keep it civil.
2: I would say that's a dangerous thing, putting him and I in the same podcast. You see, you know, hijinks ensue afterwards. Hey, yes. We've been
3: well-behaved compared to our uh, normal uh, old bickering married couple. I want to hear all that. Oh,
0: man. Let's not start stuff. right there, okay? You've only just gotten onto the show. Challenge um, so let's let's accepted. Let's talk about the spring game, and Kyle Nash, I'm going to talk to you first because Drew interrupted me. Um, the spring football game. What are we really looking for here? I mean, everyone—it's obviously spring games are you know not what they used to be. They used to be like an like an actual kind of sort of game to take the edge off a little bit, like back when we were kids. Now they're just glorified practices. We put the ones over here, we put the twos over here. Maybe we'll try some fun stuff, Um, you know. But really, it's kind of uh, it's kind of like opening presents on Christmas Eve a little bit. It just takes. You know, we get to. We're probably going to see. Obviously, we're going to see John Rice Plumley. We're gonna. We might see Thomas Castellanos. We're gonna see some of the. um We're gonna see uh the, the the new and improved Mikey Keen at quarterback. I think that's what pretty much everyone is looking forward to the most, right?
3: Yeah, Keen and Castellanos are going to be your big draws. You know, for for your you you know your ground level casual fan. I mean, it's adorable that you see a quarterback in full contact in in, in a practice in this time of year in that amazing run they put up on Twitter where he shook Salascar and then took it to the hizzy what was it at least 60 yards but the fact that that uh, uh, Plumlee was in uh, was in full contact mode should tell you everything you need to know about where he is on the depth chart um, you know I think we're led to understand at the moment that you know the smart money is on Castellanos and King being your top two competitors at this point of course this is me mostly speculating Ooh, Wow. So you know take that where it is oh i'm seeing i'm seeing i'm seeing uh-ohs from lopez i
1: don't oh. know about that i don't know about that well all right, all right. it's a little that could be a little mislead but go ahead
3: well no yeah i'm saying just and remember just because um you know my take on where they are in the depth chart right now is thus a i'm talking about practice about a week ago and b it certainly doesn't reflect anything that'll be happening towards the fall. So let's be clear there. I'm talking purely going into the spring game and, you know, I've been in a position to call out who the starter will eventually be in the fall, as I did with Dylan Gabriel um, that year when I, you know, I called him beating out Brandon Wimbush, how good that is or, or how omniscient that makes me is another question. But I say all the above to say Obviously, Mikey Keene and Castellanos watching those guys plays is what the fans are going to be there for the most. For me, though, I'm going to be watching what happens when they run the football on either side for the ones and the twos. And the reason for that is, A, that running back room is deep as heck. And B, I want to see how much that young linebacking core is developing because, gentlemen, I'll tell you what, if there is a, to be a concern, it, it would be at the linebacker spot on defense, getting everything tooled up and back to where it should be because they are a very young squad.
0: Drew, what are you looking for? Well, uh, I,
2: you know, Kyle mentions the, the Plumlee run. You know, I was not impressed by it because that's what he does. Yeah, uh, that's expected. I don't. I don't care about his running ability. because I already know what he can do. I or, want to see him throw the ball. I, just I want to see him accurate because that's where where he hurt as a quarterback. Yeah. why he was removed as a quarterback and moved to wide receiver uh, you know, is because of that of that throwing accuracy. No one could doubt the athleticism, speed, and agility of uh, of John Rice Plumley. I mean, he is just uh, a burner. And if they can get the passing accuracy there. He becomes the complete package.
3: Um, uh, see, uh, real quick, Drew, let me cut in. I'll even add this. I'm like another prediction now that'll curl, curl Elo's nose. I think it's more likely that Plumlee becomes a punt returner than a starting quarterback.
2: Uh, and you know what, that, oh that you guys are trying, maybe not this trouble. year. Uh I think this, maybe not this year, but I think potentially happen in the future. It really depends on the development of Castellanos. She's uh, mm-hmm. the X factor. Uh, I'm not a big fan of starting freshman quarterbacks. Uh, The thing with, with Dylan Gabriel, it was almost expected. Uh, As you know, Kyle, I was very much against the Brandon Wimbush transfer. Uh, We already had a guy who couldn't hit the side of a barn. Why do we need a second one? Oh, no. Uh, Oh, the the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, So I, you know, if Castellanos really uh, really just gets, gets it going uh, you can, you can see some, some deep quarterback competition. You mentioned the linebackers, and I agree. This is a, a definite position of question, and and UCF brought in a couple of transfers. I'm really interested to in see now. Jason Johnson from from Eastern Illinois uh, had a, a very good season last year uh, in the Ohio Valley Conference, and the big guy and that that everyone's wondering about and how he how he mends and how he adapts is is Terrence Lewis, the the transfer from Maryland, who was a five star tra- uh uh recruiting going into high school or coming from high school rather. So, I mean, this guy has a lot of, of hype. The question is how is he going to play after recovering from this injury? Uh, so I, I agree with you. Linebacking is the linebackers are a real big question mark and definitely an area uh, that we want to pay attention to. I think the offensive line is also a thing. depth is an issue. Uh, p- put Matt Lee in bubble wrap, because if he goes down, I guess, I said this last year and I'm saying again this year, There is no real good depth at center because if, you know, if uh, Sam Jackson is playing as your second center during spring practice, you have a problem because he shouldn't be at center. He should be somewhere else on the first unit. He should be playing. Don't put him at second center. That just shows there's a problem here.
3: (laughs) No, I don't think anybody would debate that. And it is a real quick, Jeff, listen, if you think me calling Plumlee a a, a potential punt returner is going to get anybody in trouble, we have a few famous punt returners that are pretty, pretty well enveloped in the angles of positive UCF history, right? I, I mean,
0: Don rice Plumlee did not come here to return punts. Maybe
3: he didn't, but he certainly doesn't look like he came here to pass accurately from oh. what we've seen so far, but oh, the well, spring game, he'll have the opportunity well, to clear it up. Go ahead. Eli. Now,
2: I also awesome. want to point out that the, the spring game is is more about fan service. You know you talk, I think uh, what was uh, the comment about you know, you know, opening the gift a little bit early on Christmas and and you know, this young Jewish boy kind of laughs at that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the truth is, you know it was coming, Jeff. But the, the <laughs> truth is, I, it, this is all about fan service. This is about giving the the fans a taste, uh, putting a little bit of production on it's a glorified scrimmage. We all know that, mm-hmm. you know, it's the cat, it's the capstone of the spring football season, you know, the practices and the scrimmages have happened before, but, but let's call it what it is. I, mean, you know, it's, they, they've evaluated a lot. They know what they're going to see. So this Gush
0: is just troll everyone and run the air raid with Plumley out there. Just Oh, I would not?
2: laugh my head off if he ran That'd air raid.
3: <laughs> it would be well, great. But, but, but
2: actually, no, that brings another valid point. Uh, you know, one guy I do want to highlight is someone that needs to really show out is Jalen Robinson. Uh, this was a guy that last spring game struggled badly adapting to the different offensive style that Gus Malzahn played. Uh, as opposed to just bringing a guy downfield, he had to focus on agility and shorter routes, which is why Ryan O'Keefe absolutely destroyed everyone during the spring game. I mean, he was the highlight, one of the highlight guys.
0: And that, that, that bared out in the regular season.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, Robinson got hurt. Uh, when he came back, he he just wasn't the same. And so you've had an offseason. you had a chance to heal, kind of hit the reset button. So I think he's going to be There's, one of the, the focus guys. King
3: too, by the way, Drew. Right? I'm sorry. Chance to get a chemistry with Keen too. I think that was an issue as well.
2: Yes. Well, when you're hurt, you're not playing. You know, you can't you can't you know do the you know, spend the extra time running the routes, getting that timing down. Him, uh, Ryan and and O'Keefe and Brandon Johnson spent lots of time with Mikey Keen. And you know, replacing Brandon Johnson, that, that's a big one. You're gonna need that that extra wideout. You know, well, that was who's it be my be? question.
1: That was my question to both of you. And we were talking so much about the quarterback. Who are they throwing the football to? I I, I still have the jury out on the depth of the wideouts. We know about Keith. You mentioned Jalen Robinson. I think that's a fair point, Drew. But who else steps up at the wideout position here?
2: Well, I think uh Kobe Hudson is a guy, the transfer from from Auburn. I mean, he was one of their top receivers. Uh, in fact, I think he was the team leader in in, in yards last year. Uh, he he you know he comes from a, he knows the system. I think he has a leg up on on adapting to the slightly variation because you know obviously no system is the same twice. You have to you know cater to the talent and personnel that you have. So I think I think he has a leg up on on others. And and then you have you know guys like Deontay Marks who who you know came a couple of years ago from Florida who's kind of, you know, been kind of hanging in that second unit, uh, unit. Uh, Amari Johnson, who started to break out at the end of the season. Uh, I think there's a few guys that have a chance to step into that number three wideout spot. Uh, but I think, I think, uh, I think Hudson may have the, the the initial leg up to go going into the spring, spring game.
0: Uh, my next question for you, for the both of you, and we can, uh, it, it, how excited should we get? You it's know, spring I mean, ball. You should be excited. It's football. I we know, love football. The, the the conclusions that we can draw will be. Yeah, everyone's going to want to draw conclusions about. It, but but like Kyle, I, I know you're kind of you're like shaking your head like. I, well, no, no, we're no, not going to no. be. The conclusions have already been drawn. This is basically the 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 going away party at the end of spring practice.
3: I, more or less. Um, I think I think that's a little. I don't. want – I think that's a little um uh black and white. Um, I'll put it this way. There are people who both watched the X-Files and lost, okay, who watched a show to answer questions and then had more questions than they did before once the show was over. Where
0: is this one going to go? Okay. (laughs) So
3: in light of the fact that we have so many questions, we are going to come out, I think, with a situation where this guy did better. No, this guy did better because both Castellanos and Kane are incredibly young we're not going to see them fully developed. is the off season air quotes particularly over. I mean, the spring is over, but I still think there's still a lot more development and positive stuff they can do in the preseason leading up to that first September snap. Um, so while you think the decision's been made, sir, I cannot agree. I think what we're going to do is we're going to see a lot of guys, um, have both good and bad moments and people, um, you know, fans in particular are going to over to re- overreact to both. And I'll see that and raise you this. The other piece is the questions will fly because I think we'll see uh several running backs shine. I'm not here to tell you that Isaiah Bowser is going to get passed up or anything that ridiculous, but there's going to be guys that show out and do a few things. Listen, we're listening to see we're used to seeing Mark Anthony Richards do his thing too, when he gets his time on the field. But if you listen to, um um the running backs coach and and, and, and um in that position group and what they can do on the field, the man speaks with a tone and in an awe of what he has in his core on a regular basis, man. So when I talk about questions and, and more questions being posed, I think they'll, they will be hype raised from this uh, particular practice, both, you know, I mentioned for the quarterbacks, both for the running backs. And then to Elo's point, if a particular uh, uh, wide receiver shines, we'll you know, if Jay Flash has a big game, the is Jay Flash back narrative will immediately start, <laughs> that sort of thing, right? You know, and then again, I can't stress enough, I mentioned the linebackers previously, Um, the D line also very interesting in that I'm not going to say they're thin, but they're certainly not as deep as they were and how that will look. And then the DBs are going to be a very interesting group. They they have a a lot of stuff going on. They had some transfers brought in that were compelling and are going to be a group that could create some buzz themselves, who the starters will be. I think it's going to be the biggest question and the biggest uh, debate you'll see in the social medias and all of that. And, and we're not going to have a true answer to all of it until September. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Well, I don't think we're going to have a name, a quarterback either. And I, I yeah. think you're going to see, I think we're going to have a two quarterback system this year. I Please. No, with, I disagree with you. No, I'm going to tell you why. I don't think Mikey Keane fits this offense, but it, it's not a secret. Gus Malzahn wants his quarterback to be able to run. Mm-hmm. other that's what he did last year let's look back in history now he's got a way better version like john riles plummy is a way better version than joey gatewood this is a, an explosive dynamic player you're going to use playmakers i actually think plummy has a legitimate shot to be the starting quarterback and it would not surprise me if he's the starter by the georgia tech game uh i think this is going to be a fascinating competition and it's going to depend on their style. Does Mikey Keenan prove his accuracy enough in his arm to offset not having the legs that a Plumley does? And you guys want to point out Plumley's questionable accuracy? Fair. I would point out he was a starter at Ole Miss, including over Matt Corral, and he was making plays. So, and I think it's going to be a fascinating, I think it's a really interesting competition. And I think we're going to be divided starting in the spring game because some people are either going to be really impressed. By certain guys in that quarterback room, or they're not going to be impressed. It reminds me of the year where Dylan Gabriel stood out in the spring game, and to your point, Kyle, a few months later was the starter over Brandon Winbush. I now, mean, Eric, I got
3: was a guy that made a few plays for Notre Dame too coming in. I mean, your point's right. not bad. I, that's just you already know what I would counter with.
2: Well, not only that, but there's a red flag that has to be thrown whenever a player switches positions. You know, to a, to another position. That means you're you're not getting in. Uh, that's a red flag.
1: No, no, no. I no, don't I'm, agree with that. Yeah.
2: Let, let's go down the list. Yeah. Uh, look, Joey well, 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 hold didn't hold cut on, it, hold it on, wait, 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 wait He's moved it. Mike Greco didn't cut it at quarterback. They moved it. Uh, Matt Corral torched Plumlee as a quarterback, they uh, and they moved it. Whoa, in. whoa,
1: <laughs> but hold, Plumlee, hold up wait a minute. Plumlee was the starter over Corral until Lane Kiffen came on board. Right. So that's a big no. That's, let's correct that. He was the starter under the previous staff. Matt Corral doesn't happen if the coaching change doesn't happen and at will Miss.
0: That's that's exact. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Good point, Eric. Is that the, the Matt Corral John Rice Plumley thing wasn't because John Rice Plumley couldn't cut it. It was because Lane Kiffin came in, you know, like the the chaos muppet that he is, and. <laughs> and and, and hey, shook things on, up
2: man. what well, we oh hold on fans. hold on hold on let's talk about that 2019 Ole Miss team that went four and eight with John Rice as quarterback he threw for 52 percent with four touchdowns and three interceptions that is not how many yards did he run for
1: how many yards did he run for in the SEC they the best won four games how many yards did he rush it doesn't matter if you Does lose it? You All just have a thousand-yard quarterback. No,
0: t- no, no, wait. I'll tell you what matters. What year was he? Sure.
2: He was a fr- he was a freshman. They there threw him to go. the wolves, and then he was put in a system that didn't work for him because it required him to throw more, and but, he got replaced. But I you're mean, missing
1: the point. He's a playmaker, and coaches want playmakers, and we're not. And he's not. Well, if he was he a playmaker, this, he would have oh, been on this, the field. This coaching he was. staff. No, he, was he wasn't.
2: Playing. He got moved to the wide receiver. Because he wasn't going to be quarterback anymore. No,
1: because he's a playmaker.
3: That's You're the you don't, if I may. Go ahead. I believe time. I've answered for this playmaker theory uh, on your behalf, Elo. I did not mention the possibility of him becoming a punt returner. and yeah, somebody else who put, returned punts for this team very famously, the late Otis Anderson, also then became a receiver as well, Flash. and then was also able to get touches. As, as a running back as well, gentlemen, I pose to you that the chances for Plumlee to be a playmaker on this squad, to Drew's point, isn't taking snaps. And the only reason why he won't run the ball like Otis used to is because that running back room is damn deep. However, oh yeah,
2: that that's the strongest unit on the team by far. That I mean, yeah, well, you know, the guy that no one's talking about that I think could end up being the you know the second guy in the team is. It's R.J. Harvey, you know, who yeah. tore it up in the last year's spring game. Let, got
3: me make, hurt. let me hand you the ball back after this. I really think that Plumlee has a better shot of being Otis Anderson light um, because he won't run the ball as much because of dudes like Harvey and, and, and others. Um, but I think he has that playmaking potential. But, yeah, talk more about Harvey, please, please.
2: Well, I, he's a physical freak. Uh, yeah. I am from, from a physical standpoint, he's the best guy in the roster from a running back standpoint, physically speaking Uh, that he was, he was, you know, just absolutely dominant in the spring game last year. What hurts him aside from the fact he's recovering from injury is his lack of experience. You know, most of these running backs have been doing it most of their lives. He, you know, came as a quarterback, switched over to running back and that was his first, you know, first soiree at running back. So he's still got a little bit of experience that, that he's building this is a guy that unfortunately got, got forgotten about because of that, those injuries. Right. The injury.
1: Correct. Right.
2: I think he's the best running back on the team as far as physically,
1: you if know, he's healthy. If, he can,
2: if he's healthy, if he's healthy I, and, and put him alongside Isaiah Bowser. Yeah. You may not have to run the you know, throw the ball that much. You could focus on the running aspect because you've got such a strong core, but then you have to go back. Okay. Can the offensive line handle that kind of punishment? Because running run and kyle will know this we'll we'll, we'll second this run blocking is way more tiring than pass blocking
3: oh absolutely yeah that's not close it's it's a more tiring activity and if you're a run first offense you have to do it for a lot more of the game you're taking not only taking more steps you're doing it while doing more strenuous activity really quick drew just to clarify for me and the people at home when you mention that Harvey's more physically perfect as a running back. Are you talking about as far as his build being able the right mix of power and speed or what are we talking about?
2: Well, I mean, he's, he's just a, a physical specimen you look at. I mean, he's, he's built solid. He's got, he's got good physical moves as far as his cutbacks. He's a little, he's, got, he's a little
0: on the small side, five eight one ninety five. 195 Ah, uh, but he's
2: a wrecking ball that he, he's a wrecking ball. You remember watching him last year, Jeff, I yep. he was a literal wrecking ball in, in on that against that defense. Uh, That's what he does. So while, while you have, you know, Johnny Richardson as, as an outside off tackle speedster on the outside, you have a, what, what UCF struggled with was when when Isaiah Bowser got hurt, they didn't have a guy that could really establish the inside run. So they stopped respecting it. Right. And it just, it wasn't working. Yeah. The running back position
1: is the, the, there's no concerns. I mean, I think there's yeah.
2: yeah. I think it's a position of least concern. I I think it's going to be really exciting because you got so much talent. It's
1: probably the strongest nice position. Problem. Right. Nice so, problem to have at this point. But I, so, I, I do th- I do think, and you know, we're going to depend on Kyle's eyes because there is this will not be broadcasted. <laughs> I think either Castellanos right. or Plumlee is going to come out of spring game with buzz at the quarterback position. i I think Plumlee will play this year at quarterback. That's where I disagree. I agree. I think, I think, he-, I think he will too.
2: Uh, I think he may he may not be the guy,
1: but he's going to oh, get right, time right. on the field.
3: Oh, yeah. he'll, and, he'll be the new Gatewood. You're right about that, Elo. I will definitely agree with. And that. I think
1: it could work. I think it could work. I think you got a better athlete here. I think they're going to tweak some things. I think it could work, and I think there'll be a better team for that. And all I the th- th- I, th- I, th- I think
0: they I think what Gus really likes is exactly what's going on right here is us guessing because Correct. that means that the opponents are going to be guessing too.
2: But I, mean, yeah. I want to throw out one more thing uh, about about. My reservations with Plumlee passing—we talked about his freshman year and the issues he had. He actually split with Matt Corral in the second his second season. He got beat on every statistical category uh, on that, as far as from a quarterback passing standpoint.
1: Well, here, here's lower the, percentage,
2: the- lower yards, lower yards per attempt, lo- less touchdowns. I mean, he threw the ball 28 times less and had as many interceptions. I mean, the the writing was written on the wall. You know, but all he was, was just the, a better pass also and it became a pass it's also, offense.
1: it's also in the SEC. He's he's in the American. So it's a lot easier. So that so, so what you're trying to say is he wasn't good enough for the SEC, so
2: he's getting relegated down the American. No, 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 no. Don't Correct. blow up I the think, SEC's I, ego any further than
1: you I think than they he already throw, get. He could throw for four touchdowns okay, tomorrow. <laughs> he could throw for four touchdowns. We don't But mean, I, think Castel- yeah. I will say this Castellano's <laughs> is the wild card. What it do they want a redshirt of or you know that's what I'm saying. We you got four a, games out of it. You can get four games but, with the new red shirt rule. So I you don't I have be, to really make that decision all that fast. But, but this I do will think be part of it. But I do think this breaking in will play a factor because Kyle's gonna come back next week on this show and he's either gonna say, Man, Thomas Castellanos is the truth and that, or he's gonna come out and say, You know why this guy needs a little time. And that's gonna Woo! clear up some of the answers there. So no pressure, Kyle. My but, hope but, is that he doesn't have to play.
2: I'd rather have him redshirt. Oh, wouldn't that, we? Not? that's the hope i mean is that the reality hey, we'll find out all those but...
0: all goes well eric lopez you just found yourself a really good nickname for thomas castellanos which is the, the, the truth.
3: truth oh lord i like uh
1: not that. that paul pierce Can, hey i gotta propose it was carl we... williams what yeah, there you go carl, oh, was truth carl truth williams, williams. Yeah. a wide receiver before make... him there was a boxer carl the truth williams I do have an idea how to spice up the spring game. Why don't we just invite South Florida to be like the punching bag in the spring game? Since we won't play oh, anymore, in there. and really, we could use the, you know, nice Oof. sweat, nice scrimmage, kind of like we've done in, on the field in the regulars. Like you yeah, know, other sports, play they anymore.
0: play irregular competition in in the off season.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're irregular.
0: Volleyball beat Florida. Yeah, volleyball beat Florida. Force four straight sets last week. You know, so hey. I'm all for it. Why not? All right. Let's go for it. Bring them up here. Come on. <laughs> all right. Uh, real quick, the schedule for the spring game. The uh, the game starts at noon. I was about to say kickoff, but it, they don't. We don't do kickoffs. Um, <clears throat> although they say it does kick off at noon at the bounce house. Um, uh let's see here anything special on this the students students just need to flash their student ID Kyle's gonna be oh, the at the game it get any
1: more special than that
0: don't forget the food trucks yes Kyle's gonna be at the game dressed in his typical tie dress dressed in his son in his Saturday best. Yeah. I'm going to be at the game, of course. Well, make Well sure your
3: Saturday best. By the way, stick right Fra-
0: it. Now we'll, we'll see. Chad. We'll see how
3: much medication
2: I'm going to need to get through that. Chad, but, are you, you know? going to have the cotton mouth in your mouth style? So nope. when you talk,
0: you're going to sound like this. No, I, listen. Cane, I, have to go, <laughs> go I have to go. I have to go. Gauze-free. I have to go gauze free. I have to go gauze free. Like I'm going here today. Oh. So, far, so good. Well, and you need oh. to be. You got
1: to be loud because I'm going to be at the. <laughs> I'm going to be at softball, so I need to hear very really clear. Right. Like, well, that's
0: you know, and that's the other thing is you know we have a little little sports convention going on this Ain't saturday with truth. softball and baseball going on hopefully we can get some uh, spill over eric lopez i'm, for I'm all
1: for it we'll have to discuss that down the road we'll get wait Kyle we can get you i'm inviting you to softball we could free brats, sandwiches huh
3: oh man oh, <laughs> oh you, you you got him the baseball
1: and the, the baseball and the softball Real happen man.
0: at 2pm so, <laughs> so so, so the, the spring game should be over by then you go you catch some softball baseball should be fun
3: should be a I good mean, time Maybe I can Doordash the brats. I don't know.
0: now. Now remember, Kyle. I I know your fear. Your your feelings about
1: baseball. This is softball. It's not baseball. Much faster. Much faster game. <laughs> and left field line. We have beverages. There's beverages. I can listen. You let me know. You're swinging by. I make a phone call. You're hooked up. That's all. I'm I saying.
3: mean. Listen. I know the guy. That's listen to the big the time.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. hook you see, up at baseball. See Jeff. Wow. That's how you throw your weight around. <laughs> that's yeah. Oh no.
2: <laughs> that's how you play your role.
1: Oh, uh, I had nothing okay. to do with that. Okay, all right. On that note, <laughs> on that
0: on that note, uh, let's that's take a slam look. dunk ending. On that, that note, let's take, let's take a look at the salary budget for this coming summer. No, I'm just kidding. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm not touching Drew, that one. <laughs> Drew, uh, Drew, you want to stick around and talk? Yeah, uh, keep him in. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk more. We're, we're going to talk basketball next, and the and the Terry Mahajer stuff. We're going to bring Bryson in to talk about that as well. Uh, when we return. Um. Obviously, like we said, Kyle is going to be covering the uh, spring game because we have no streaming video for this. So follow the SOTG on Twitter for all your UCF spring game needs. Now, Kyle, if I can do it, you can do it.
3: Hey, hold up. Gentlemen, I'm the one that's known as the god of the gif in that press box, and you're going to tell me about Twitter. <laughs> Please.
0: God of the gif. You heard what he and said. All right. God of the gif. We... I gotta get to this break. Stick around when we come back. we're gonna talk we're gonna talk basketball. <laughs> and uh, Darren Green going into the uh, transfer portal and uh, uh, Terry Mahajer talking to the Orlando Sentinel about basketball and other topics when we return. This is the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. We're back after this. All right, welcome back to the Black and Gold Bannerette podcast. We've got a full house. I'm Jeff Sharon. Eric Lopez is here. Uh, Kyle Nash sticking around with us for the second segment. Bryson Turner coming in to join us to talk it's a round about table basketball. Here. It is a round table. I like this.
3: I have to apologize. Um, when it comes to to gods of the gift, I have to claim that this is a polytheist universe because my dude Bryson <laughs> Turner has been known to drop down a few lightning bolts himself, okay? Wow.
4: I appreciate that, Kyle. Look at the, I appreciate look at the,
0: that. Look at the kindness. Listen, he's he's still a student, Kyle. We need to make sure that he's that he doesn't get his head, you know, blown up too much hair.
3: Okay. I'm still a student, remember?
0: <laughs> You're the oldest man in the room. All right. Never and there of course is, is Andrew Klukov, who I you know who is you know parachuting in whenever whenever he wants. We'll talk we'll talk with him in a little bit about a column that he's got up on Black and Gold Banner right here in a little bit. But first let's talk about Some news from basketball. Um, This one kind of hurt to hear. Uh, Darren Green Jr. is in the transfer portal. Um, UCF's leading scorer last year. uh, Obviously a shooter extraordinaire. Uh, Remember, it wasn't all that long ago, guys. We were thinking he would break Matt Williams' all-time record at UCF for three-point field goals. That's not going to happen. Unless, of course, he comes back, which is a possibility. We've seen that before. But um, he looks to be uh, heading elsewhere, which means UCF, at this point, gentlemen, is returning less than one-third of its scoring production from the rotation last year. Um, Kyle, we'll start with you here. Uh, Catastrophic blow? Pretty bad blow? Actually, not as bad as we think? How do you evaluate this?
3: Uh, no, I think um, I'm, I'm not going to say as, as far as, uh, uh, as uh, the, the pain is, I'm not going to say it's Diamond Battles bad, um, but it's pretty bad. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it, we could say what we want about um, him being the top scorer. The reason why he's painful to lose isn't just that, but that production oftentimes, in my opinion, came – when the rest of the team would drought and he would just pull one from Dan Marley range and just like how many times Bryson has seen this happen where I'm like, what are you doing? Don't shoot. Oh my God. Like I'm, I'm so trained still from nineties basketball that, you know, shooting from the logo is a definite no, no. Hey, what do I know? He just swished it again. You know? So I think, I think that element too, uh, when you say he's the top score scorer, obviously that's important but I think that that doesn't begin to describe it. Defensively, I'm not going to call him a liability, but he wasn't necessarily the strongest defensive player on the team, but he had, he had his moments where he'd get a steal or two, you know, and get involved in there. Um, You know, certainly if you're looking for guards playing strong defense, replacing Perry's presence would be more difficult than Darren green. But as far as an offensive juggernaut and an all around player, yeah, no Darren green's transfer. I, I think, Listen, let's be clear. The program was going to definitely hang their hat on, on on them, on him picking up production for whoever else they'd be trying to develop next year. And now, obviously, 100% gone, gone spreading the floor, now a bigger problem. This takes away from uh, Darius Johnson slashing to the basket. This takes away from C.J. Walker working in the post because now they'll be able to collapse more on those guys instead of worrying about that kickout pass to, uh, to Green for that beautiful swish.
0: Well, let's pull this back out for a little bit, because now we have four players returning. C.J. Walker, Darius Johnson, who you mentioned. Ty Freeman's re- returning. Jameel Reynolds also returning, at least as of right now. Right. Uh, you also have uh, a couple of guys coming in. Obviously, P.J. Um, Edwards, who's been highly touted, is going to be coming back. And then um, the Hendricks twins, Taylor and Tyler. Uh, of course, Taylor Hendricks from Calvary Christian. Both of them from Calvary Christian. Um, Taylor, uh, national number 70, um, you know, four-star recruit, six, nine power forward. Um, and this is where I want to bring, um, Eric and Bryson in on this. Um, it, it, it's, yes, this is a, this is a rebuild. It's not quite to the extent of the women's basketball rebuild. At least you have some tools to work with here, Right.
4: Oh, yeah. I would completely agree with that. I think one thing that really surprised me about this team last season was the emergence of, Dar- of Darius Johnson. And, but one, but a side effect of that, I think, is that the men's basketball team did not have the identity that the women's basketball team had. I don't know what it was, but it just, something just didn't feel right when you were watch when you were you were watching them play you weren't watching a team working together as a unit you were just kind of watching these talented individual players doing what they do best and that's what Darren Green was doing you know and when uh, and so now though with this with Darren Green leaving that i think did you bring in the hendrix twins you bring in pj edwards you have darius johnson i would just say it, it's sort of it's the, it's the reboot you go all in on these young on, on this young core and the expectations that kind of come with that. CJ Walker will obviously have make a, have a very good veteran presence. Ty Freeman of course will have some contributions as well, maybe bring in another big man from the transfer portal, but I think the biggest thing is to is investing in this young core. And so hopefully the fan base will get that because I think Dawkins is also invested in them as well.
0: Edwards is, I think, the key here, right, Eric Lopez? Because he's the 6'4 guy. Looking back on when he signed with UCF uh, a year ago, uh, 6'4 combo guard, rated as a three-star by rivals, uh, 17th best player in the state of North Carolina. And Johnny said about him, We're, quote, We're excited to bring P.J. and as a member of our family. He's a talented player. We'll have a positive impact on our program. P.J. can come in and defend immediately, and he's a good scorer with the ability to shoot it consistently from three-point range. We can't wait to get him on campus so this so he basically takes um takes that that role i mean whether or not he's as good a shooter as darren green jr was obviously remains to be seen darren's one of the best shooters in the country um you know darren did have some struggles when the defenses started keying on him last year so uh that's another thing to mention but you know where are you evaluating things right now
1: it's a rebuild <laughs> it's, it sucks <laughs> we're gonna like darren was a great shooter like he is arguably in the conversation for best shooter ever in the program history with Michael Donald and Matt Williams. Uh, ironically, if this is the end for Darren, his last shot at, at home was the buzzer beater against East Carolina. That's his last shot as a home game, right? What a way uh, to go out, huh? If I'm not mistaken, unless was it or was it Wichita's last? Well, it was one of his most, probably his most memorable shot. If it wasn't his last shot at the at home, but you don't replace those type of shooters overnight and you know i think darren first of all players don't announce that you're coming back unless you know you're coming back uh so him and diamond battles announced they were coming back within 24 hours and uh, a lot of things change and rightfully and they moved and in darren's defense look he's got one year left he wants to get to the pros i don't think he wants to be a part of the rebuild plus i'm sure somebody got to the people around him he's a great shooter that is valuable I'm sure he will land somewhere if he doesn't come back, he will land somewhere where they will use him as a shooter in a marquee program <clears throat> where they can uh, make sure he's uh, taken care of because that's kind of important in today's day and age of college
4: athletics. Well, one week ago, Darren Green some, some actually, signed, it, actually signed an NIL, an NIL agency deal with Michael Raymond, who act- who went to the University of Miami Law School so I would if I had to. Well, bet that,
0: about that, about that, let's let's you know, Michael Raymond's um, NIL agency. Michael Raymond also graduated from UCF's undergrad, too. So there's also that.
4: Yeah, well, the fact that he ended the transfer portal shows that if he's not going to be at UCF then, then I feel like Miami could potentially... Now, I wouldn't just
1: off. assume that conclusion. I think he will go where he will be compensated very
3: well.
4: I think I think a good point, Bryson, does make
3: kind of adds to yours. This movement with the NIL, somebody may have very well advised him for fiscal purposes yeah. to, uh, to uh, go... It's a game changer, conference.
1: absolutely. This is the new game in town now. That's why we got to stop freaking out when a player moves on that's the norm now this is the new era you're going to get some guys but you're going to lose some guys and look the reality let's be real yeah. you're probably if you're daring greens of the world you probably have a better shot to make the nba you have a better shot to maybe make some income going somewhere else and we'll see where he ends up at a quote basketball school instead of a school that well, Darren, like to attention to basketball?
0: Darren, when he started out uh, in high school, he went to Wharton High School, which is over in uh, Hillsborough County, over in Tampa. His official hometown is listed as Charlotte, North Carolina. I remember his father actually played for George Washington um, back in the day. Um, interestingly, he played for my uh, wife's uncle, was an assistant at George Washington at the time but, um, and, and, uh, and, and knew him pretty well, but um, I'm sad to see Darren go because nowadays, and Eric, you were kind of touching upon this. It feels like, you know, if you're right now, your program's all time record holder in whatever category it may be, um, you're starting to think that your records are probably pretty safe now with given, given the transfer portal and and all that, you
1: know, This is my my opinion. The transfer portal is not good for the UCF basketballs of the world. And the reason I say that is I have said for UCF basketball, they've got to make the tournament every two to three years. That's realistic. The way you do that is by building a team that kind of sticks together kind of like you saw with BJ and taco, you added an Aubrey dockets, but the nucleus stays together. Is that really
0: true though? Because we only got one season of the three of them on the floor together at the
1: same time. Right? Well, because they got hurt they had injuries, they That's got injuries, but they were around together though. They, the were round. Yeah. they were around, they were around. Now the problem is that is hard to do because if you develop a nucleus, guess what? Your players become attractive elsewhere. And I think that's what we're seeing. I remember Jeff. I think Greg Lovelady told us that was his concern about the transfer portal. He didn't want this to become a situation where, hey, I'm developing players to st- see them go elsewhere because they, you know, the bigger programs whiffed on them the first time, but they can make up for it now. And that, to me, hurts a UCF basketball more than any other UCF team because I don't believe UCF can recruit at a level with the marquee programs, especially as you're getting into the big 12, that's going to be a real challenge. They have to build a foundation. I think Johnny was trying to do that, but it's going to be harder with NIL and the transfer portal to keep a group long. And it's not just a UCF issue, by the way. This is a college basketball thing. Like ask any college basketball person. college sports thing. Right, (laughs) but basketball in particular, because it's a small roster, and it's hard. It there's constant movement. So you could lose two, three guys in basketball. That is significant. In football, you could lose eight to 10 guys, but you have a deeper roster. Baseball and softball have been used to this. They're laughing at all of us. They're just laughing at how we're overreacting to all this stuff because they've been accustomed to this for a while. I think basketball is the most impacted by this. Look at what uh, some major programs like North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky. Not only now do they have the chance to get a blue chipper, the one and duns but they could also add experience in the transfer portal and that makes them stronger. And it gets, it, it takes away from teams like UCF. It's a hard job for Johnny Dawkins. Very difficult. And that's why I said, I think last week or two weeks ago, I think he has the hardest job on campus right now my, at UCF. My counter, my
0: counterpoint to that though, Eric, is not everyone can transfer to North Carolina. There's only so many spots in the rotation. Not everyone can transfer right. to Duke. Not everyone can transfer to even a school that's on the next level from there. Like say, uh, a Virginia or a um, or a UCLA or a Gonzaga right? right so you know the the idea that because of the transfer portal all the good players from from the next tier of schools are just going to get hoovered up by the top 16 20 25 programs in the country i don't think takes into account the fact that those player that those schools are already hoovering up the best recruits out there, and there's just no room for these guys. If they want to play, right, they're they're not going to get that opportunity at those places. Yeah, but see,
1: the problem is players always think they can play wherever they go. It doesn't mean they will, but they always get promised that they will play. I've seen this in softball. I've seen this in other sports where they go to a marquee program. They think they're going to make an impact, and then they're sitting on the bench, and then they're wondering, D, why did I move? So don't assume that people make common sense with that. But look, look, I mean, look at Isaiah Adams. There's reports that Texas Tech's talking to him. Uh, So I think Darren's going to get looks. We'll see where he ends up. That'll be the final determination. But remember, in basketball, there's more options. Like the Big East in basketball is relevant. So if you go to Villanova, if you go to Seton Hall, if you go to that, that's still marquee. Whereas football, it's kind of more cramped. Uh, There's more options. So it's tough, man. It's a tough job at UCF, and it's not an easy fix. Uh, and, and I just keep saying that, and people don't want to hear it, but it's a hard job that I think has gotten harder to be successful at UCF because UCF developed Aaron Green. They developed him, and now yeah. somebody else is going to take him for a year and maybe and probably benefit him for a year. Maybe, look, it might work out for him in the long term, yeah. but it hurts UCF, obviously. Yeah.
0: Another loss for UCF, Jimmy Drew, uh, assistant uh, for UCF, has uh, left to take the head coaching job at Lincoln University in Division Two. Congrats to... Jimmy, so UCF, is in the market for a new assistant coach. A couple other transfers that we want to talk about, too, with um, women's basketball. Obviously, this is old news now, but Diamond Battles did announce that she's going to transfer to the University of Georgia, as did Savannah Henderson, um, the uh, daughter of Coach Abe, who came in in oh, the she spring. Oh, the
1: coach, huh? Okay.
0: Yeah, it's shocking how that works out. Um, they've gone to the University of Georgia. Uh, along with coach Abe and all of her staff.
1: No brainer, uh, no brainer move as me. That Mike leaves that
0: leaves UCF week. with I think it was uh what was it? Bryson five players on the roster.
4: I believe so. The highlight of which is is Destiny Thomas
0: for now, yeah. I mean, well,
4: we,
3: yeah. who
0: knows where that's who knows what's going to happen with that. I'm not hinting at anything. We Come on, no come on. Kyle's
1: been through Mason. a lot, all right? Don't 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 get Kyle all riled up <laughs> but, now. All right?
3: But, uh, I'm uh, you put know, on a brave face, ELO. But
0: uh, you know, suffice to say, both basketball programs, both basketball rosters, are in a serious state of um, of transition right now. And yeah. you know, what better time for the Orlando Sentinel to reach out to um, Terry Mahajer and uh, and get some uh, questions answered about this? So Matt Rochelle caught up with t- uh, Terry Mahajer at the bowl season uh, event here in Orlando, put on by Florida Citrus Sports. Um, you know, we guys, right? We saw all throughout the season, you know, about Johnny Dawkins. Here, you know, a lot of, you know, a fair number of vocal, if minor, if a minority amount of, a vocal minority of fans are who have not been happy with the progress of the of the basketball program under Johnny Dawkins, despite the fact that they that they won seven more games than last year. Uh, they asked. Uh, Timo about Johnny and said uh, what's your assessment of the job he has done and this is Terry Mahajer's quote, quote Johnny keeps having winning seasons they beat two teams in the Sweet 16 and had some who were in the Sweet 16 and had some injuries at the end of the year we're excited for Johnny and the future of the program there's nobody that knows basketball better than Johnny as a player, a coach, and a high level athlete he knows what the Big 12 will be like and how tough the AAC is and he gets it so he's got a lot of opportunities ahead of him and we're going to support him and believe in him and
3: hey, wait a minute, is that a quote from Timo or is that an Andrew Glukov tweet? I can't that's, tell that's,
0: that's, that's, Terry Mahajer, but Terry Mahajer is echoing exactly what we've been saying. I am not using that rah-rah that, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Hey, well, look, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I I think, you know, look at back as we were talking about this off air. And, and Bryson, you hinted at this. the, the chemistry of this year's team is off because they I, because I think, and I think several of us think they were not expecting Darius Perry and Brandon Mayhan to return and then they did.
4: Yeah. And that
0: kind of threw off the Rotation. the, the po- I, really the really the post taco BJ Aubrey transitionary period. Those guys were transitionary players. And the reason we know they were transitionary players is because they came here from the transfer portal. Mayhem came a, here from Texas a- A&M and your- Perry came from Louisville, right? So, you know, they weren't developmental players. The The core player in this roster now, Kyle Nash, is Darius Johnson. Yeah. This is who they're building around now, right?
3: As they should be too, I guess, yeah. at this point.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, it, <laughs> record-wise UCF actually turned out better than they than – they, the and they probably was, would have
1: otherwise. The problem was the expectations got a little out of c- control. Yeah,
0: I think every, everyone started talking about, and, and listen, we're guilty of this. Because we yeah. tooted that horn too. Yeah,
1: you everyone guys Everyone talked did.
0: about the it, it, depth of the it, it, roster, right? Which, on paper, it was a really deep roster. Because we weren't expecting your leading scorer and your top point guard to come back the following year. But they did. But, but remember, it threw, but it threw, kept... it threw the it threw the chemistry off. It's like the old I, the Isaiah Thomas to Bill Simmons quote about the secret of basketball is it's not about basketball. The pieces didn't fit, and you said that many times, Eric. Yeah,
1: it, they didn't it, fit. It didn't work. And you know who did been buy into the hype were the coaches in the American. They picked them fifth, and they weren't that far off. They were a game or two away. We discussed it. One game, one from game away. That spot. Everybody else had them going to the tournament and stuff. And look, I'm not saying that's what you shoot for. They, you know, they had opportunities, but the margin for error is very thin, and it just didn't work out. And I get everybody's disappointed; they're disappointed. It doesn't mean you crumble the program and get rid of everybody after uh, a disappointing season, like you know, that didn't yeah. work out to their finished goal. Uh, because, I, you know, if that was the case. We'd be firing coaches every year uh, in every <laughs> sport. Uh, but goodness, I mean, start with the Dolphins. We should fire them every year, which is not a bad idea. But
0: the no Dolphins have been either. doing
4: that to this point. Yeah, yeah. The-
0: Bryson, you had a point you wanted to make.
4: Yeah, I'm. Just, I just like it's like like um bouncing off what you guys are saying. It's like the point here is that now that this last season is done, Perry and Mayhan are now gone. Is it? it um, what I did. Darren Green's gone too, and it stinks. And you wish you could have had him for for another year, but I think what his his departure along with Perry and Mayhan's does. Is that it gives Dawkins and un- un- finally a chance to rejuvenate? Because, like you said, it wasn't planned that Perry and Mayhem were going to come back, and they just a- and unlike with softball, who was uh, who I think dealt with the extra COVID year a lot better. The basketball team there was just there was just too much clash with the new people that were coming in and, and the people that that uh, the unplanned returnees because of the COVID year. So now that Dawkins is finally able to have that um, rebuild. I think having that rebuild will be very necessary for him. And ultimately, I think it will be good for the program in the long run because of, you know, everyone that's coming in. You have the sophomore Darius Johnson, the Hendrick twins, the P.J. Edwards. Well, over the long haul, I think this will be this will be better for the program. So, well,
1: I, is, I think that's, that's fair. That, here, I think here's the, here's the so. thing we have to realize. And I think, Drew, I'm going to want to bring in Drew on this, Drew, because I think Drew, you and I have been on. All right, we'll
0: it. let Drew parachute in here because we're going to talk about other Timo like, stuff like, as well. But go ahead. I prefer
1: right, the right, term right. kamikaze yet. Well, oh because, boy. because, Drew, here's the point. I think you and I have been on the same page, and this applies to both men's and women's basketball. The way it's set up right now, with all the financial stuff with UCF, with the uncertain future about when they're moving to the Big 12, and actually Well Terry mentions that in the article, they're hoping for a deal, maybe, maybe have some resolution of some sort by May. But they're going to have to spend some money to get out of here, to get to the Big 12, not to mention the increases of finances that comes with going to the Big 12, not to mention there's other programs, on campus that are gonna need stuff too. Uh, to me, right now, UCF, you need your basketball team to be efficient. And what I mean by that, you can't be reckless in spending right now. You just can't. That's the point. And unfortunately, I think UCF needs, you know, look, I mean, it's been well discussed. UCF basketball travels commercial for the non-conference, for most of non-conference. And you might say, well, that's not a big deal. Let me tell t- t- you this in the SEC and the other major conferences, baseball and softball are now starting to charter. That's how far behind we are right now. That matters to recruits. Not to mention, we're not even getting into the facility aspect of it, but the point is, Johnny Dawkins under the economics that UCF basketball has, under the limitations they has to work with, has been successful. Just like what Coach Abe did at women's basketball was successful. But I think UCF's approach to basketball is similar to what the Tampa Bay Rays do in Major League Baseball, which is not spend a ton of money, but just hope to develop within internally and being successful with uh, an efficient uh, profit. We cannot match the Memphises, the Kansas, the Oklahoma States, the Dukes. You can't. You cannot compete with that because the majority of the finances – are going towards football and that's where the majority of the fans want to happen too by the way let's not act like there's a ton of basketball fans clamoring there's more, if, if you ask a fan hey are you willing to give up football money and put it over to basketball i think the majority of ucf fans would say no
4: no oh, right, totally right essentially i think you should say is be like saint peter's you take what you know, do you take a program that is a little no?
0: From personal experience, you do not want to well, be like St. Peter's. Well, they, <laughs> of, <the mission laughs> of a
2: poverty program when but
4: it
0: comes it, to their no, but, yes, but, their but, basketball but, budget was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars last year. The entire basketball. I'm not budget.
4: saying it's a one to one comparison. What but I'm no, saying it, is it, is that it, the idea is that it's a it's a program that is relatively. Underfunded compared to uh, compared to the others, and that they win by getting together, a players that work together very well, that uh, work together as a unit that can punch above their weight when it, it comes. Here's the problem it- with
2: that. Here's the problem with that. In basketball, you can have those one-hit wonders. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a fair comparison. Uh, you know, because that. UCF's not looking for a one-hit wonder. UCF's looking for consistency. You right. and you're you're actually getting it out of Johnny Dawkins. You've had one losing season out of his entire time here, and he's been here, what, six years, five years? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, six he's been seasons. Here, six seasons. So he's been here what? So you, you want consistency and yeah, that consistent level right now is a little bit lower than any, you know, obviously we all want more, but the thing is you can only get so much. Here's, you know, here, you're,
0: here's you're the, here's the thing. You, advisor, you yeah. just, you here's why you cannot compare a school like St. Peter's to a school like UCF amongst many other reasons. All right. But, but number one is, all the guys who went to St. Peter's, that's where they're going, right? They are not. They have no NBA prospects. They have no pro prospects. When you're UCF and you're in the American and heading into the Big 12, the expectation is that the kind of talent that you can get is at the very least going to be NBA, close to NBA ready, if not definitely professional ready. And UCF has been producing professional talent for quite some time now. So, it's a much different calculation of how you put how you assemble a roster if you're UCF compared to St. Peter's. It yeah, just Saint is. St.
2: Peter's plays a low a low competition. St. Yeah,
0: Peter's is effect. is traditionally in the lower quarter of the MAAc. All right, yeah, so the, you, the you, you can't, Yeah, you and they really had a fun, and they had
1: a and they made a magical run in their conference tournament. They weren't even the regular season champion. It they got It happened. And it's a random thing. It pops up. It's a fluke. Right. Yeah, Florida uh, Gulf Coast had their run out correct. of the Atlantic Sun. Welcome few years to single, ago,
3: life, single elimination life, gentlemen. Yeah,
1: I, right, but yeah, here's but, the but, difference: those schools are basketball schools. They don't have football to worry about. That's what I'm saying. It's hard to be good at true. both football and basketball. It's not easy. Somebody has to take a back seat there, uh, unless you're in the SEC, you have a ton of money. But even in the SEC, they take a back seat to football, except for Kentucky, where football takes a back seat to basketball. That's the thing. It's not easy to juggle both because you're to add more money to basketball. It's got to come out of somewhere and it's probably going to come out of football, which is the revenue maker at UCF.
2: Well, yeah, even Big Ten schools, you know, don't have the consistent runs like Michigan football school. Basketball has had runs, but they are not the every year team like a Ohio State. Right. Ohio, State. Ohio State. That's yeah. actually worse. That's, that's actually a better example. I, I specifically avoided that because <laughs> Kyle would make some stupid remarks. Uh, well, of late, I'll,
0: okay, Indiana. But they're actually a better do.
2: example. Uh, yeah. Ohio, Ohio State, you know, their football program has been top-notch on, on, a, on a multi-year level. Their basketball program has been kind of a uh, very inconsistent up and down for decades. I mean, it's you're, you're, you well, Miami. You're got Look at Miami.
1: Miami just got to their first Elite Eight ever. Jim Laranega had missed the last four NCAA tournaments at Miami. Uh, Leonard Hamilton missed the NCAA tournament his first seven years at Florida State.
2: Can Florida, you really call
1: Miami a football school now? Ooh, <laughs> trust me. They can't oh, oh trust no. Me, I would argue their are basketball's number three in that campus behind football. The baseball. And, baseball. <laughs> and yeah. same thing at FSU. That's my point. It's just not easy man. It's not easy at UCF basketball. And I think we we people just have to accept that. Like you look at the UCF basketball history. They were the Terrible. worst program in the 80s college basketball. Not even yeah. close. Awful. Like it, it you would have been better off not existing in the 80s. That was how bad. I I would
0: I'll, I'll posit you this. Uh anyone anyone want to care to guess what Johnny Dawkins's winning percentage is at UCF?
2: Isn't it like six ninety two or something like some of that range?
0: Kyle,
3: I would have said six like uh like six thirty 630 something six thirty seven. Like.
4: Bryson, uh, I'll be optimistic and go sixty
0: eight ish. Eric, fifty nine, right? Fifty nine. Sixty five point three percent. Oh, there you go. That's that is higher than anyone else in the history of the school. Not named Torchy Clark, and Torchy Clark never coached UCF at the Division One level.
2: I I, so, I I think that brings back the fact that 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 fans have developed this expectation of of excellence. Yet UCF does not have a standard of excellence. They don't have a history. You know they you know Kirk Spiel took a couple few teams to the NCAA tournament. It's because someone had to in a low major. Uh, tax slash. To his credit,
1: he did a great job with a built cleaning a building that was a capacity of a thousand. Yeah, it was called the garage for a reason.
2: Uh, <laughs> I mean you could hear the person on the opposite corner of the arena. Why you it's now a volleyball
1: court. I mean
2: uh you know you go you know look at the Donnie Jones era the you have three decent years and three horrible years. And and so when you look at that, that's your division one history right there pretty much. Uh, of, of UCF you know you have a little bit in you know the early 90s but I mean it was really Kirk Donnie and Johnny that's it so I mean you, you don't have a same thing with women's basketball there's no history of success I mean you look Abe at is the
1: history we just had it
2: yeah, no, but,
0: there's even less history of success yeah, in women's basketball than there look is at, in you know,
2: with, with with Gail Striegler and, and Joy Williams I mean you, You look at that and there's, there's nothing there. I mean, you know, they, you know, you win the Atlantic sun. It's because somebody has to, it's not because you're really good. It's, you know, that's a low major.
0: But what what do you, but, but Drew, and I, and I don't subscribe to this. I'm playing devil's advocate here. What do you say to the fans who, who keep saying, well, what's wrong with having high expectations?
2: Um, Gee, I, you know, I mean, yeah, you play the lottery, hoping you win
1: you set yourself you really up to be back to stay- win. Where you set yourself up to be miserable at the end. Yeah,
4: because,
1: I, well, you're going to be miserable. Yeah. Right. Most
2: most times when you set up expectations, it's not going to be bad. I mean, like we
4: go, mi- we go of
0: to – It reminds me of that Dean Smith quote about how if you make everything a life-or-death situation, you're going to be dead a lot.
1: Well, it's no different than the percentage of the audience that expects football to go undefeated every year, and when they lose a couple games or three, it's, a, it's considered a disappointment. Right, it's the end of the, dis- right, the end Oh, of the, the hater
3: world. fans, Yes. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, that's no different. And in fairness, I mean, their life use, must
3: be miserable. At that and point.
1: let's make this clear. This is not just a UCF. I mean, this is across the board in a lot of fan bases. This is not just a UCF thing either. Oh, wait, Eric, Eric, Eric. They call themselves fanatics. That's what fans are short for. There you go. So <laughs> not wrong. Uh, it's pretty interesting there. Um, so, yeah, it is what it is. Is that a shot fired? I think that was a shot fired at Eric.
2: Oh,
3: it was directly at me, I'm sure.
2: Oh. No, no, not at all. I, that was more in general. But <laughs> yeah, I generic to the generic. Around You just, you just like want the to make boys. a impression. <laughs> there.
3: Because, listen, if it was a shot of me, he'd be glad to tell you. Yeah, <laughs> no, if it was a shot at Kyle,
2: I would say, no, no, Kyle. Kyle has reasonable expectations. He, he doesn't expect you know the world to be handed him on a platter. He's, he's been, it's been smacking the space enough times to know that's not how it works.
1: <laughs> the, the, pro, the problem is, and by the way, media is just as to blame for this too. Columnists in particular, if they don't meet their expectations, well, what went wrong? And nobody takes nobody bothers to look at the full picture and say, well, what happened? Why didn't we they get to where they needed to get to? Was it they had injuries? Was it because certain players didn't play to their level? Was it a coaching day? You know, they're, they're nobody, everybody just wants to just cut to the chase. If you don't make the tournament, you suck, and it, it just does not it. It's not good every year. It's not going to be your year. I, I hate to break it to you.
2: And like, it's not but, always the coach's fault. You know, like take, right. take basketball for instance. Basketball coach can't make you make the shot. They can't make you make the pass. They can try to give you strategy and try to to develop as much as they can. But in the end, the
1: players play. And the coaches coach. well, and you better. And here's the thing. So Johnny Doc is what 65%. If you want, even if hypothetically, you make a move, there's no guarantees. You're going to do better. You could actually go worse. Oh. You could go way worse. Not um, only that, but in fact, it's a know, higher you probability. You're going to go worse. In fact, it's a you higher probability. Flash
2: green when you're talking about uh, wanting to, to, to move on from a coaching staff, you know, it's it, as, as we know, that's easier said than done. Um, well, yeah, especially very I mean, lucky.
0: Yeah. I mean, let's, well, I mean, let's get down to brass tacks on that. Right. You would have to pay a buyout, right? You'd have <laughs> to, to pay a buyout. Well, yeah, if look, if, the, yeah. if those if those crazy fans it, got what they wanted, you'd which have is to pay the 50% buyout to Johnny Doggins. Of the
2: remaining contract, which I right. believe is, is right now. Is 2025. You'd have one.
0: to you'd then have to pay a buyout to whoever it is you're gonna get, and you're gonna be paying two coaches.
1: Yeah. So Well, you just saw the example of what was gonna do what was gonna take to keep A, it was gonna be a lot. And if I again, if I ask the fans, hey, do you want to keep that at the price of spending money out of football's pocket? A lot of them would probably say no. I'm gonna make a. Thing. I'm
2: gonna make a. Uh, for for you guys, it's not unpopular, but for the fans, it's gonna be unpopular. It's a good thing Abe left and did not take the counteroffer from, from a financial standpoint. From a financial Economics, standpoint, yep. UCF is better from off
0: from UCF's financial standpoint.
2: They got to pay the bills. You know, if if you can't afford, you know, if you out, you know, you outkick your coverage financially. You're in trouble UCF, and that, and that's the
0: point that you cost. made in your column too Drew. yeah
2: which should be right. dropping probably tomorrow morning or what at some point Thursday I'll morning for those coming. that
1: are listening we always uh, we don't want to confuse you it'll be a Thursday. yeah it, it,
2: it's an article that hasn't quite dropped yet it's going to but well, it's it's talking about uh, about UCF being you know having to work with tight economics and here's the yeah. truth you know whatever the American decides as far as a buyout goes it's going to be at least 10 million dollars. Because that's what the baseline buyout is. So UCF has to scrape it together. Uh, right now, we last time we heard it was somewhere in the 30 to 35 million dollar range. It may come down a bit, but right now, I mean, that's that's still a lot of cheese. UCF has to get that. UCF has been working to try and scrape together all they can. One, they they get the benefit of the buyout with Georgia. They hired you know, um, a Messer at at affordable rate. You know, they didn't have to basically, you know. Double the salary to hold on to to Abe, which would have been a a you know a financial drain, um, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, you want to keep her. You 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 want the winning. But here's the truth: UCF couldn't afford her. They tried the best they could. They Georgia Not
0: was going to out. outbid her no matter what. No matter what,
2: there was no way UCF was going to was going to feel it's a better her.
1: job. It's a better job right now. It's Just a better do.
2: job. I mean, she moved up. You know, great. That that's a sign that that UCF can help develop coaches to the next level, because a coach leaving for another school is, is, is both not only just, you know, a a benefit for the coach that, that shows that they can do it, but it's also to show that the school has helped them develop. And, and you want that success because that success can breed further success. It makes the job a little more attractive that coaches want to go. If you fire a coach that has out of six years, five winning seasons, and you fire him, that's going to make candidates think twice. Correct. about coming.
0: Yeah, good point. There, there, there's,
2: there's some you know, outside damage that could happen there. You know that perspective matters. Especially, avoid-
0: especially given where UCF is in the spending ladder, w- going which into the good. Big Twelve, which we have discussed at length on this show and on the site. And it's, and it's not a good situation right here. Um, one thing I did want to get your, your word on to Drew while we're, while we we're while we're working on this we and you were talking about Terry you know some of the decisions that Terry Mahajer is going to have to make financially uh he did tell the Orlando Sentinel and Matt Rochelle that they are working through it quote unquote in terms of uh, the AAC exit and they hope something gets worked out by May um you know it the, good luck i mean it makes sense i it makes sense it makes you know cuz the, the fiscal year very ringing the, the, the fiscal year resets on July 1st yeah. So, um, and he also said that Big 12 will play nine football conference games. So, future games against USF probably
1: will not happen. Oh, we'll miss our scrimmages. This with is them. smart for two reasons. One, yep.
2: Uh, This improves the amount of inventory that can be used in television negotiations by, by it being known now, I guarantee you the. the Now that's an underrated
0: point that you're making there about inventory for television. Uh, That's huge. The big 12. That's more games you can sell to the networks. That's massive. And And I'll tell you the truth with Bob Bowlesby announcing that he's hanging it up. I think that was a big plan 12.
2: move to help rebuild relations with ESPN. Yep, You know, people are like, oh, well, he, he helped navigate the the, the conference with this. He's done a great job. Look, he did. He managed that well from a bring-in-new-team standpoint. He burned it all with how he went public with his issues. Yeah, when he went ESPN. on a bender
1: with Dennis Dodd that one not I mean,
2: Napalm me. relationships. He had to go if you want ESPN to play you it's a good first step Irk for the Magnuson league. is going to want to deal with with that right I mean come on uh, you know that this was this was a forced move um probably behind the scenes it had to happen uh but you know I hey I would love to see a guy like an Oliver Luck be brought in as the new commissioner he has commissioner oh, Oliver experience Luck would be,
0: oh, Oliver he's Luck would be, I
2: mean he's oh, done it would it be all. great he would be a great guy and, and he knows how to sell uh, I would love to see it. Obviously, that should happen uh, as far as finding a new commissioner probably sooner days. rather than later. They're yeah. pushing hard. I think they had a 90-day window yep. they wanted to figure it out. Uh, now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. UCF technically does not have a vote in this. They're not a member of the conference. Sure. You know, they, they may say, hey, what do you think? But the truth is they don't have a vote. So I know some people got upset with some of the names that were kicking around on some site I never heard of. Uh, but the truth is UCF doesn't have a voice, a a legit voice in this. They may have a a back-end voice, but not a legit- a new member, yeah, right, right, right. It's, you know, let's, let's take it for what it is, I don't think the remaining eight, who are probably the ones who are going to decide this, are going to make a bad move. I think they're going to they're going to balance this out. Well,
0: well, I, well let, let's be honest they're going they're going to be in consultation. The four new schools are going to be, going to they, be in, are going, going to be heavily vote, consulted. I got news for you they're going to listen to UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, and BYU a heck of they're a lot more than they're going to listen to Oklahoma and Texas. Well, well they're oh, not yeah. going to listen to Oklahoma and Texas at all because they don't matter.
2: But the, right. the truth is, they don't have a vote because they're right. not members. Right. And and I and I, you know until you're a member you're not a member, you know weird things happen. Something
1: no, you're right. No, that's a valid point. And look, the the incumbents want to have a bigger say on things, so this is their opportunity. Well, to th- do at that. this point, they have all the say. <laughs> exactly. But let's uh, talk ultimately- about the nine game the nine game conference schedule. What that means is three non conference games, and the reason why ter- there's there no room for USF is you're probably going to want to have a marquee game on one of those three non conference games. You're probably going to have an FCS type of game, home game, right? Uh, of some sorts, there's just no room. And quite frankly, South Florida offers nothing in football. There's nothing well, that, to gain. That, that,
0: oh. that, that, that does offer you, it, it does offer you the, the way I could, I, I see this and, and a looking at game. other, it looking a at other conference games. Okay. But looking at other, at other schools who play nine conference games, they play one FCS cupcake. They play one marquee also power five school. And then they play one G five school basically at home. Right. Now, it depends. that's that's t- that's like Oklahoma State playing Tulsa
2: but that's a home and home um that's the, the, that's a home and home series so they're 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 giving Tulsa a fair shake on that contract with Oklahoma State I actually like the fact that they view right. Tulsa as legitimate uh, unlike you know some larger schools here in Florida don't you know consider the other schools legitimate uh, but uh, the, the truth is I'm mean, UCF's looking for bigger things you know but you know as we know the away team or oh, the, the home team, their television conference or their television uh, contract is the one that carries. So if UCF had eight games, that maybe potentially two out of conference games, there's lost inventory. So this guarantees another game that's within the conference. It's right. you know within the family. It's becomes sell as you said, Jeff, sellable inventory. Yeah. And you know when the value of the Big 12 is questionable right now, you need as much there to sell as possible. Right. Plus the nine games, which is what the Big 12 currently does, it means there's no disruption for the remaining eight, and all it means. Well, uh, BYU is going to have more work, but it, it means less buyouts right. needed, you know, for for you know, Correct. You know the, the incoming schools.
0: I will say this: when you look at UCF's future schedules, 2023, they have three games scheduled: Kent State at Boise State and BYU, who would be in the conference. It, it, Obviously, it's an open question as to whether or not UCF and BYU were conference mates in 2023. That could open up a slot. We don't know. That 2024- also could
2: end up being used as a non-conference game too. It's not unprecedented. Right. Fair
0: point. Fair point. 2024, UCF is scheduled to play at BYU on August the 31st.
2: That game's probably gone. <laughs>
0: so, uh, so well, well, unless they keep that as your big unless they pool, keep it as, as a, well, for
1: both, right? that I don't think be, they're going to do. Too
0: but then that would but then that would open up another non-conference game because the other non-conference games they have scheduled are Liberty and then at Florida October the
1: 5th. 20- right, so you're going to play an FCS game there. You fill that out yeah, with Okay, FCS so game.
0: to 2025 Maryland at Maryland FAU North Carolina. That yeah. one's set. Yep. Yeah, that one's set. 2027 North Carolina, 2028 Maryland, 2030 Florida, 2033 Florida. There's still a lot of wiggle room after 2025 to put uh, to put at least two other schools. So, but then we were, but then you were talking about your South Florida schedules already laid out,
2: right? Their schedules full till I beat 2027, but don't be surprised if UCF kicked some of those games down the road so that they can Agreed. put an FCS team on the schedule Agreed. so that they can get that, you know, and, that, and that kind of freebie game
1: in there. I agree. And I think if an opportunity presents itself where they play a Miami either a home-at-home or in a neutral site or at Orlando with Florida Citrus Sports. I think they'll make room for something like that as an example. The
2: neutral site game only works if if UCF can make at least as much as they would make in a home game. I think that's what they said. They have to be made whole on that. If not, it's not worth their time.
3: I mean, can't we just replace the former UCF-USF games with them playing UConn? I think that's an appropriate competition level. Oh, my God.
0: No, that that needs to go away. Never. I, I will. I will say one thing about about the nine game conference schedule that I'm not a fan of is you have an uneven number between home and away games, and I know that they make up for that year year over year, but every year someone's at an advantage, and every year someone's at a disadvantage. It's the only thing that I'm not a fan of on that.
2: I mean, it's you know, there's 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 no satisfying everyone. This this is really just you know the in the best you know situation for for the, the conference as far as from a financial standpoint to sell themselves is True. to have as many games as possible i i don't blame them on that and you don't want to screw up the schedules for the remaining eight. because you change it to eight in 2023 you have eight schools in and i'm desperately trying to find a game yeah that's not and as you know that's not a lot of time to schedule a game now we've seen it work but most of the schools have already no, scheduled right. games yeah good point so i
1: bye usf hey Hey, listen, USF, enjoy FAU and that, you know, whatever you guys want to call it on Black Friday. Enjoy it. I mean, you know, that'll be great. I mean, in front of 10 people, maybe. It'll be look cool. At, look hey, at I, just here's, like here's the question. Here's the question for you guys.
2: Which Sling stadium and arrows. sells more? Is it going to be the USF at FAU game or the FAU game at USF? And I, I, I have a feeling that the Boca side will have higher it's The
1: Willie Taggart Bowl, baby. Come on.
0: That's I hate, CB, I that's, I, that's, hate,
1: I mean, that's a great I one, saying this though. for
0: South Florida? Drew, I think you're right. Yeah. That's a, that's a sellout in Boca. Cause you're going to, you're going to have South actually, Florida graduates who live in Miami and Fort Lauderdale and Palm beach going to that game.
2: I was at that right? game in 19. That's actually not a bad stadium either. I know. It really isn't. I actually like,
0: I really like it.
4: I, and then, I and F-
0: FAU's that, not good. FAU doesn't have a lot of Tampa graduates. You know,
4: I actually went there. Um, I, I love that I talk about this because I actually saw Dylan Gabriel get Dylan Gabriel first oh. start at FAU back in 2019. Uh-huh. I visited there with my roommate because my roommate lived uh, used to live in Boca. It 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 is quite the quite the good stadium. So I can. It was
0: it was no. That that game was notorious though for trouble getting into it. Is that right? Oh, it was awful. Oh God,
2: it was it was horrendous. And FAU came out and flat out apologized, saying, "You know what? We were not prepared.
1: We screwed up." (laughs) Well, they won't have that problem with USF comes to town. They won't. No, they'll bring (laughs) ten fans and their marching band.
0: Uh, we're going to take a break here in a little bit, but, uh, and, and we're going to get to softball, baseball, and various other things with, uh, Bryson Turner here. But, uh, once again, we wanted to thank Drew stat boy drew on Twitter. And wanted to thank Kyle Nash, the SOTG on Twitter for the student of the game. Kyle will be covering the spring game from the press box, which will not be viewed on video streaming. So you better follow the SOTG right now and UCF banner at
1: underscore SBN because that's, we are your the link to the outside world. Listen, yeah, Kyle, I'm calling the game on ESPN plus for softball. I'm just gonna quote your tweets about how the spring game went. That just so you know.
3: No hey, listen, I, I would love any and all of that support. And while I am the student of the game, make sure you get yourself educated on fiscal matters of the college and the programs from Andrew Klukoff on blackgoldbanneret.com as well. Uh but until next time, everyone, class dismissed. Thank and you, sir.
2: Sheamus plug
0: here. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate you as always. Stick around. We'll be right back with Bryson to talk uh, to talk uh, softball, baseball, and plenty more when we return. It's the black and gold banner at podcast. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banner at Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you. We've cleared out the queue and we've got Bryson Turner back with us all to ourselves here on the show to talk about softball, baseball tennis we got some track and field news we got to talk about but let's start Eric Lopez with your UCF softball team the role continues Elo uh 34 and 10 they're off to a six and0 start in conference play uh after they uh, took pretty well they did exactly what they had to do uh, at home against Memphis. They held them scoreless for the entire three-game series. And I think you said, Eric, what was that, the third time that's happened in school history? Yeah,
1: third time ever they've had a three-game series where they shut out the opponent all three games. Last year in non-conference, they did it in Boca against FAU. And then in 2015 in conference in the American, UCF uh, took that, did that with East Carolina. And only gave up four hits that weekend. That was Mackenzie Otis and Shelby Turnier who threw her no-hitter uh, there, so impressive performances from Gianna Mancha and Kmall Woodall continue to impress. Caitlin Felton getting the ball on Sunday was magnificent in his first and her first American Conference start. It was a business like performance for the team. Their offense didn't uh, was efficient. Uh, they played good defense and they took care of Memphis. And they're going to have to do the same thing this weekend against East Carolina, who's a little better than Memphis, has more firepower offensively. Uh, but UCF right now six and zero in the American, the only team undefeated in the league. You know, that's what they got to do. Keep winning. You got to keep winning. They keep moving up the rankings. They're 20th in the ESPN poll. They dropped in the RPI from 11 to 13 because, you know, the old, you know, math sucks. Uh, basically. And when you, they guess so basically get punished for being forced to play Memphis. Uh, so that was disappointing, but uh, they can't worry about that stuff. What you got to worry about right now is taking care of East Carolina, focus on East Carolina and try to win a conference championship. And uh, this team's right now in a good rhythm and in a good uh, playing at a very high level. Six and zero in the conference. I'm mm-hmm. Looking at the standings right now, Houston's at seven
0: one and one, Wichita's at four and two, USF's at five and four, and then it basically all drops off after that. Who are you keeping your eye on right now?
1: Well, Houston and Wichita State will play this weekend in Houston. We'll find out more about Houston. Wichita State's the defending champions. UCF will end the regular season at Wichita State, which is the court is a bandbox. It's like Coors field only short smaller <laughs> uh, which is bad. Uh, but Houston's tough too that's a long time rivals. UCF's got to go to Houston so that's why I'm saying they can't they need to take care of East Carolina this weekend because it's gonna get tougher with Houston on the road and Wichita staying the regular season on the road uh, for them and you know it's this RPI thing with the hosting they're in the mix to host but unfortunately, uh because they're not in the sec and they're not in the big 12 yet uh you know they have to be close to perfect to have a shot to host and that may not even be good enough because by the way folks we talked in the last segment about the finances and the issues softball needs a little bit of a facelift in in the the stadium if you've been there you kind of know what i'm talking about so it's going to be interesting they got to take care of east carolina this this is a group that i think will but you know you have one slip up or two, man, and you get hit. And these teams are going to gun for UCF. So uh, it's it's it'll be interesting how they handle this and and try to kind of kind of this tightrope that they have to uh, in conference.
0: Thursday, Friday, Saturday is the schedule for the series. 6 p.m., 6 p.m., and then 2 p.m. Right, all on ESPN
1: Plus. They yep. will be televised. You will hear this voice. You
0: and Francesca, right?
1: No, it'll be no. Francesca's off this week. Okay, he's off. It's Jamie Low Price, former Aggie. Great will be joining me on Thursday, Friday, and then uh, solo there, and then you know we'll uh, make it figure it out on Saturday there with all (laughs) with everything going on on campus. We'll make it. We'll just hope I have have enough bodies to cover uh, to have three sporting events in the on campus. But uh, hopefully, I know this. It'll be '80s night on Thursday, '90s night on Friday two thousands night on saturday if you're into music so
0: real quick jada cody watch where are we at right now she's at 56
1: runs batted in 56 10 away from stephanie best for the school record stephanie had 66 uh in 2003 uh 56 still leads the country in rbis for jada cody and uh she's doing well she bounced back had a strong series against memphis so uh that's going well but kennedy Searsy, janisha rowan in front of her keeps getting on base that's the key for this offense those two have to set the table for her and shannon doherty and then ashley griffin who's coming on so uh that's the positives for this team and uh you we got only well, we got six home games left believe it or not six
0: that's it boy that happened real quick didn't it yep Jeez, I
4: mean, you are. mentioned about the team being perfect i mean they shut out memphis the entire series is that not perfect enough not to no. the rpi not to the <laughs> rpi apparently because
1: we dropped two spots i mean so- do we have to
4: do we have to run rule every like every single game? No, is I mean that, that's, it? that's it's the, is- if,
0: it's based on the it's based on strength of schedule, right? Yeah. And right. and Memphis yeah. is you know I mean Memphis is an inferior opponent, and and you you can maintain to some extent you know in the RPI your um your level based on beating an inferior opponent, but just due to their strength of schedule, it's going to drop you a little bit at, at the very least. Yeah.
1: And unfortunately that's, that's going to happen. It could happen again. You still got East Carolina, Tulsa in the schedule. So uh, we won't have this problem once we get to the big 12, whenever that is, because everybody in the big 12, even the bad teams quote unquote are in the top hundred. That's the big yeah. difference.
0: Uh, over to baseball, UCF uh, five huh. and one in conference play uh, to start off after winning two of three, in memphis they're 21 and 12 overall so tied with tulane for first place in the conference right now in what was a bizarre at times uh weekend uh bryson turner you know ucf lost the first game uh six to one and
4: concern
0: uh after after that game is that right
4: a little bit um let me go ahead and first set the scene for you first of all ESPN Plus was not broadcasting games one and two. What was was it with that?
1: That's because
4: so, that's because Memphis is broke. So that that (laughs) part, that part was a little bit annoying because annoying, but it is what the concern with that is Connor Stain. Connor Stain exited only after two innings. And from what Mark Daniels on the radio broadcast said, it was because of a blister and lower back problems. Now, Connor Stain actually did mention after his appearance in USF that he had a blister on his middle finger that they were working with and that he could have gone another. He wanted to go another inning in that game, but they took him out. So, from what I understand, it was a cold day the night that he was, started. it was in the 40s. That so,
1: which, if you and Jeff, you know this from having back issues, the cold weather everything locks up, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. So, between the blister and the little and Connor still kind of get you know coming off of the back spasms, playing in cold weather just didn't really suit him that well. So, we ended up having a shortened start. I, I would just say, let's see what happens when he starts, if he starts when he starts this weekend, and we'll see where he and we'll see where he is in the end though unfortunately William Saxon did not have a, did not have the best pitching performance and also they were facing Memphis's ace in Landon Gartman who is one of, who was one of the better pitchers in the conference so they they have their first conference loss it is what it is the good news is is that Memphis isn't that very deep in the pitching department and the offense was able to go all over them in games 2 and 3
0: yeah well i mean let's talk about that game too. UCF jumped out to a 7 nothing lead uh, Alex Freeland four for five uh five runs batted in uh had two home runs in the ball game plus an RBI double um and uh, and Hunter Patterson uh, uh it only went two innings himself in this game but you know still managed to you know UCF was able to take advantage of the fact that there was a uh, uh a run rule in effect and they run ruled Memphis 13 three and seven in the second game
4: Yep. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Hunter Patterson, uh, this is basically just like what happened when Connor Stain came back, coming back from injury, just ha- having a very, you know, p- limited pitching appearance just to get him back into the swing of things. And from, by the looks of it, it was, it was okay for coming off of it coming off of injury. So I would say like, let's just, let's see what happens this, this weekend. Ben Vespey and Chase Ben Vespey pitched a majority of the game. Great job out of him and Chase Santala with the closer but the biggest thing is the offense i mean we talked about the offensive concerns with this team and to see them just go a- absolute ham on this on this memphis team was certainly was certainly nice to see and alex freeland going four for five with the two homers just absolutely well done and certainly something that we would like to see also freshman ryan taylor getting some time at catcher that's a name we've been picking up a lot this weekend
0: which takes us to sunday
4: Oh boy, here we go. Uh,
0: the <laughs> we broke it down uh, on video on Black and Old Banner and in, in case you were living under a rock and missed what happened on Sunday uh, on social media, so UCF jumped out to what we thought was a five nothing lead in the first inning on an Andrew Sundeen three run homer um, with two on. UCF was already up two nothing, and then Memphis decides to check the bat, at which point. They decide, the umpire crew initially decided that Andrew Sundeen had too much pine tar on his bat and he was called out, which led to an argument with from Greg Lovelady, which led to some words being exchanged between Lovelady and the Memphis dugout, which led to Lovelady getting ejected, which led to the Memphis pitcher getting ejected, which led to the bat being brought downstairs and then they actually measured it and then they reinstated the home run. Couldn't undo all the ejections after that that happened because the home run got wiped. But uh that made it five to nothing. UCF ended up scoring a 10 spot in the first. Bryson. 15 to 6. I know the final. But this is just a bizarre, bizarre uh incident. And and what was the sort of the fallout from what happened in the first inning of that game?
4: Well, first of all. I, I'd like to credit the, the how far this sport has come where we don't have to wait days for a reversal. Like it happened in 1983 with George Brett. So the well, fact that was, well, like, that was
0: because it was, that game was played under protest, which love lady was going to do Um, in, in, in if the home run did not stand, but I'm sorry, go ahead, carry on.
4: So yeah. So credit to the, to the umpires for going back and reverse, and reversing that decision. Great job, by the way great job for Andrew Sundeen he's had a hit in his past 10 starts absolutely amazing for a true freshman but right after that happened the very first at bat Ryan Taylor went and hit a solo home run into in the left center field and, uh, and and going and they went on to get a go up 10 nothing in after the first inning now Memphis was able to battle back and make, when it, making it 10 to 6 in the third so is what it is there, but um, that was with David Litchfield. After that, David Litchfield was pulled from the game, and between Zach Hunsicker, Kyle Kramer, Rudy Gomez, and Dominic Castellano, the relievers gave up only two hits for the rest of the for the whole rest of the game, and that helped UCF get the win. They put some up some insurance ones. Alex Freeland got a two run RBI single. Seriously, Alex Freeland. Definitely the player of the series right there. Just offensive powerhouse this time. Fantastic. And then, pa- and then Pablo Ruiz got a Homer first times he homered since back in the beginning of the season against Siena. So, so nice job for him. So, I mean, look, we talked about this offense and the concerns we had and this concerns that we've had with it. It's production like this that I think shows that the talent is there. I just think the issue is, is when it go when it goes up, against a very good pitching staff that's when we got to get a little bit worried so as far as baseline offensive performance goes this shows us that this team can perform
0: well they proved it uh at jacksonville uh, uh last night too got the win six to one there and now comes the big series that well at least we thought was going to be a pretty big series i think still is because we're still early in the conference season against ecu who's off to a four and two start East Carolina, the runaway preseason favorite in the American, but UCF has these three games uh, at home this weekend. Um, uh, it, this is going to be uh, a massive, you know, a real gut check series for UCF now because you know, I'm looking at the RPI, Bryson, and even despite those wins, you know, UCF right now is at 81 in the RPI, ECU's at 77. Um the what i'm looking at here is some this is looking like a pretty down year for the american right now Tulane is oh it is the top team in the Rpi like you were saying eric Tulane right now 50th is the top american athletic yeah. conference team in the RPI in the RPI in baseball um and ucF doesn't play them uh until um until later on uh, end of april so and again they have them at home
1: It's a down year, right? The league's, I think, eighth or ninth now rated our conference. They're usually top five.
0: But now here's a chance. But the bottom line is, okay, you look at the conference standings, UCF and Tulane are tied right now. This is a a chance with ECU one game behind you, Bryson, to just kind of be rid of them for once and for all here, right? Just knock them out of the race.
4: You are right about that. And, and we have a similar situation with, um, with met with Memphis, where I think that their Friday starter is going to, is going to be g- g- have some problems and then it's going to be up to the offenses for the second two games. Uh, Jay Kuch, uh, is, 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 has the ninth. That's Jeff's guy. That's your guy. Jeff. Yeah, Jay
0: Kuchmaner, the, uh, the brother of, uh, uh of, of
4: McKenzie Kuchmaner, the former UCF, uh, libero. Yeah. So there's him, but there's also their uh, the, the relief pitcher Carter Sp- Carter Spivey, who has the sixth lowest ERA in the conference. And I would say that, and I, I would say the relief pitching for ECU has been solid. So I think that's something they definitely want to keep an eye uh, uh, keep an eye on the middle of the game offensively. So um the, the the main leader there is Lane Hoover, who has the seventh highest batting average. In the yeah, batting average in the conference, I mean, look, the Pirates are coming in here with the third lowest ERA, the, but the second lowest batting average. So the big thing, this is another test for UCF's offense, essentially, it because if because the pitching we've seen perf, can perform well and against a, a team that hasn't really been batting as well as ECU has been, that that, that takes care of itself, especially at home the big thing is going to be, will the bats show up? Because I think that will, that will be the the key difference. And luckily UCF has been kind of getting better at that. Ben McCabe has, is on a nine game hitting streak right now, since he started playing first base. And what's more, and I find interesting is that in the Jacksonville game, Andrew Sunding was the starting DH. They've kept his bat in the lineup, even yeah. though he was behind the plate. And well, Riley's made his first injury after being, being his raking right now. So yeah, Sundine absolutely great. And so I think that now that we have some more consistent bats on the team. Lex bodeker has been hitting very well as well. I think I, th- I think that as long as they hold up, then I think we could be in for a uh, some winnable games against ECU this week. I
0: I think so that's also why coach Lovelady was very careful with Connor Stain and Hunter Patterson this past Uh, weekend. Right,
1: I mean, that's going to be the key for them the rest of the year. If Connor Stain and Hunter Patterson are not healthy this year. They can't stay healthy. They're not going to be able to accomplish what they want to do, and this is a wide-open league. It is worth pointing out, D1 Baseball, which is the source for college baseball, has East Carolina as one of the first four out, despite the RPI. So baseball, to their credit, the baseball committee, I think, to their credit, they don't get married to one thing. They kind of do a lot of different stuff. quite frankly i like a lot better and i wish a lot of the softball would do a lot of the stuff baseball does but it's a big series cliff godwin i have tremendous respect obviously former ucf assistant many years back under terry rooney he knows what he's doing i wouldn't sell that offense short especially if ucf's not healthy we don't know stain status we don't know patterson status for this weekend you know it's gonna be a tough series it's always a battle between those two teams and uh i think the winner of this one probably takes a big step to perhaps, hopefully, challenging with Tulane for the American Conference title. I still think yep. this league can get two bids in, but it's probably going to have to be some combination of the regular season champion and maybe a tournament champion, something like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, Thursday at 6, Friday at 6, Saturday at 2, every game on ESPN+. Right. Plus. All right. All uh, right. Some track and field news, Bryson.
4: Yes. So this week, it was a little it was a little more of a limited action. It was just the heptathletes this time for uh, heptathletes competing at the Hurricane Alumni Invite, I believe it was. And so and Brittany Floyd. Oh, man. So Br- Brittany goes and in the second day of the event, she swept first place in the in the in the three events on on day two, which are the the long jump javelin throwing 800 meter hurdles. And she ended up winning the whole thing and broke the program record for the highest scoring heptathlon. And no, and it, that's a record that has stood since 2003, 19 years when Jamie Pugh first did it. It's so old. There wasn't even a specific date. It just was 2003 that was before you were born. No, it was not. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was before my brother was born, but um, no. So that so Brittany Floyd d- does that. Absolute congratulations to her. It was also it was also the seventh highest scoring uh, heptathlon also in the country this season so far, if memory serves. Yes, that yes, that's right. And um, and then what's more, Natalia Madison, the freshman, she picks up the bronze for the event and beats the freshman record. which was set by Holly castles almost exactly a year prior to that. And then the two other athletes, Kennedy Reese and Holly castles herself, both got new personal bests for the, for the heptathlon. So, uh, uh, and Natalia Madison also came away with first place in the high jump event. So absolutely well done for these four app four athletes in Miami for the first outdoor heptathlon of the season.
0: All right. And that takes us to last but not least tennis. Um, You know, right now, I want to start with the men's tennis team because even though they're 8-13, they are moving up the ITA rankings. They moved up from 49th to 46th, uh, and as they get ready for they have their uh, season finale on Saturday against number 40 South Florida, and this could be the perfect sort of springboard for them as they get ready for the American Athletic Championships uh, at Tulsa. Now, they split their uh matches this weekend on the road but they did win at Tulsa's number 40 before losing to Memphis so what's the status right now with men's tennis
4: So over on the men's tennis side um we still have three doubles pairs ranked with Hildebrand, Coron, Coron and then Crane White Trey Hildebrand fell in the singles rankings to 90 but I think that it's just one of those situations where Roddick just seems to have a better grip on the on the program late in the season. I think, um, you know, the fact that, you know, they're coming in with a two and two conference play, this, this is going to be for whether you get a winning or losing record in conference play. And I, I don't really know how to gauge this because sometimes you just have a good or a bad day and we'll see, and we'll see what happens. But I think the biggest thing is it's going to, I feel like this will probably dictate their momentum going into the AAC championship, especially I think, with the doubles players because while I don't think a lot of the UCF um, this UCF men's team has been very good with singles the doubles play has been absolutely well done well done and so I think that if the the big the biggest success at least for me is that I think we could see some individual breakouts with the doubles pairs and that mo- and the momentum they can build with this Warren I4 home matchup will be key in helping set them up at that
0: and last but not least the women 14-6, and 2-0 oh in the conference. They've won seven in a row now. Uh, they beat SMU, number 43, on the road in Dallas uh, this past week on Friday. And then on Sunday, they turned around and won at Tulsa in a sweep, number 46 Tulsa. So as we look at the uh, women's rankings, I'm sorry I didn't have these pulled up right away, but I should have, um, the NCAA Division I uh, women's team rankings as of that which just came out today april the 13th ucf is 18th in the country so they have one they also have one more regular season match on saturday this is at south florida in tampa before again they travel out to tulsa for the american championship so um uh, brian kenyeko has to be pretty happy with where his team is right now right bryson
4: Oh, yes. He also is coming off of his 100th uh, win as UCF's head coach after the win, uh, the first win of the weekend against Tulsa. So, congratulations. What
1: day was that?
4: That was Friday.
1: And then Saturday, we had Greg Lovelady's 300th at Memphis. Before he became... Milestones all over the place. Yeah, he enjoyed that probably a little bit better than Sunday when he was trending all over the place. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. He even that said was...
0: so on Mark Daniels' yeah. show. Did you see that? He's like, Yeah. yeah. So
4: there's that also Nandini Sharma picked up two singles play wins she now has a 10 win win game winning streak for her in singles play that's the third longest in program history and she's three wins away from second place so Sharma has been uh, just a lockdown at the number six court spot for UCF for UCF this season. Marie Mattel was also named the AAC women's tennis player of the week. So well done to her as well. And look, when you look at the individual rankings, the doubles pair of Mattel and Lashova are number 42. Marie is an individual is 94 and Evgenia Leveshova is one of, is right. Number one Oh five. This is a, well, I, I think the individually, the that is where the men's team is going to find success with individual players or pairs. This team, I think, is where where you see at the team is going to succeed. The team because the team is able to pick each other up and and so when one falters, the other steps up. And when you have people like Nandini Sharma who are able to really anchor it, Sophia Biole and Marie Mattel, they've been able to anchor they've been really able to anchor it. So that way, it's a lot safer, I guess, I guess, in a sense. So I think that that, so obviously they've been doing a great, they've been doing a great job locking down their undefeated in conference play. Granted, it's only three matches, but it is what it is. So I, I, once again, build momentum for the, for the conference championship. And I think you just got to make sure that the team, that the team is, is good to go. We make sure that Nandini Sharma certainly remains the rock that she's been and just make, and just make sure that you know that you don't just fault trip at the finish at, at the finish line. This team itself has been very good this season. They just got to keep it going into the conference championship.
0: All right, we will see what both the tennis teams do against South Florida this weekend. It's Bryson Turner on Twitter is who you want to follow for all the latest, and he's got his latest night cap up uh, as well before we head into the weekend. So that'll do it for us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Eric, what are you doing? on uh spring football set oh no you're gonna be at softball obviously getting ready for that
1: that's right i'll be at softball bryson's gonna be at baseball we got kyle's gonna be at football yeah you're gonna be i'll be
0: at football Yep, gonna be a bit gonna be a busy weekend it's just is this the end of the equinox is this finally it it better be awesome. <laughs> i know it's been wild man but uh, what a time. We uh, look forward to seeing you. Obviously, you can follow. Make sure you follow Kyle at VSOTG. Follow us collectively at Banneret underscore SBN. Follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. Drew at StatboyDrew. Bryson at It's Bryson Turner. And yours truly at Jeff underscore Sharon on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. If you don't subscribe to our podcast, please do. We're on a- Apple and Android. If you do subscribe to us, we thank you so much. Leave us a rating. Let us know. we're doing as always so gentlemen thank you once again and thanks to you for listening this has been the black and gold Banneret podcast enjoy the weekend we will see you at the spring game on saturday